Hi, I'm Lisa Lloyd, and I'd like to welcome you to the second series in my podcast, Beyond the Water Cooler. In series one, we explored what we mean by employee experience, and so now we are ready to unpick the how to achieving that. As a psychologist, psychotherapist, and business owner of It's Time for Change, I meet so many talented individuals who are aligned with my mantra, get people right, get business right. I'm going to be talking to some of these super interesting people who have stories, insights, and strategies to share about what it takes to be a great company, with inspiring leadership, an awesome culture, and a wow workforce. So let's dive in. So this feels quite a bit different to my usual podcast conversations because I know today's guest really well socially, um, and we're usually found catching up over a glass of wine um, and not so not so long ago as well um, today I've got a glass of water um, but I'm really looking forward to unpicking a very topical subject so welcome Dave nice to, nice to see you Lisa yes very good uh, good to see you again and you might have um, a bit of noise in the background because you've got building work going on currently so there could be drills and all the rest of it but that adds to the, uh, the kind of atmosphere of these things <laughs> I'm sorry they started drilling again about five minutes ago just as they knew that I was coming on so apologies <laughs> So um, Dave, um, Dave Harms is a partner at Valentine Thomas and Partners, specialising in senior searches for investment management firms across the globe, which sounds incredibly grand. So tell us a bit more about your role, Dave. Yeah, far too grand a title. Um, So I'm a headhunter by trade. I've done this for 16 years um, and I work within the investment management sector. So that's pension funds, that's third party fund managers, so people that manage your pension money, that run retail money, um, and I also do work for family offices um, and also some some wealth managers. Um, executive search, you know, we are paid, retained to go and find talent. It tends to be at the senior end. So we, we work with CEOs and boards of businesses. As I say, done that for 16 years. Um, yeah, and that's me. And I think you're, what I always find really interesting when I talk to you is... I always think of headhunters as being a particular kind of, um, well, a person focusing on a very specific part of the role. But then actually when we were talking recently about remote working, it made complete sense for you to come and join me on this, on this podcast talking about that because you were saying that a lot of the conversations you're having with your clients, and I guess it actually makes sense, is around the challenge of remote working. So, and we know that lots and lots of companies are trying to get to grips with this whole notion of how we get the right employees working in our company um, so that it meets the company's needs, employees are happy and so on. And we know remote working is is the kind of at the heart of that right now. So we thought it'd be really good to get this, um, carry on the conversation we started the other day and have that on this um, podcast today. Absolutely. Let's start with, I guess, the pros and cons of remote working from, um, because I'm interested in that from your perspective as well, because I talk a lot about that in terms of employee experience, and that's kind of what motivates me to have these, these conversations. What do you see as the sort of pros and cons for the employer and the employees of, of remote working? Yeah, no, it's it's a, a great question. I mean, just, just to take a bit of a step back, I think mm. you know, my, my view on r- remote working is it's we're now sort of living in the extremes. Mm. So, you know, COVID happened, we were forced to work from, most of us were forced to work from home or some couldn't work, unfortunately. And firms had to adapt very, very quickly to putting sometimes five people, sometimes 5,000 people 
to go and work remotely. Mm. And that happened really quickly with varying degrees of success. So some people who had a more progressive approach pre-pandemic, you know, it happened very quickly. I heard of one business investment manager that put sort of 5,000 people to work remotely very quickly because they had infrastructure systems in place. Others who were solely in office and for example, didn't work in the cloud, you know, it took a lot more time. So I think what we've seen over the last three years is it happening very quickly, very hard and with no choice. Mm. And I think if you step back pre-pandemic, certainly from the role that I do and where we see, it's been something that's bubbling under the agenda for a while. And it's been something that, again, if I'm being honest, it's at times been a bit of a dirty secret that someone works from home or they didn't want it, they wanted it in their contract, but it wasn't put in. So I think what's happened now is it's sort of accelerated hard and fast into the pandemic, which has mm. been a horrific thing, but but it's, it's sort of forced employers to do it. Now what is happening is you've got this, you know, everything and anything is happening and you've got leaders that are trying to work out, well, we forced everyone to work from home for two years. Now we're trying in various ways to get people back in. So just to put a bit of context there, I mean, you know, it's well documented in, in, in the headlines. And I think, again, the pro, your, your question, pros and cons, you know, these things are playing out, again, very quickly. And people are almost being, as I see it, quite reactive to it. Mm. Um, I mean, to give you some of the pros, and particularly when, when we run projects, when we talk to people, it now comes up in every conversation, whether that's a client, whether that's a CEO, whether that's a chair and, and a board is coming up in every discussion. Um, Can I yeah, just, just ask you on that? Is it coming up in every conversation because they know they have to be addressing this or because they want to be addressing this because they know it's the right thing? I think both. Mm. I, I think both. I think, you know, there are some very progressive leaders out there that understand, mm. you know, I'll give you a good example. <clears throat> Excuse me, I sat down with a, a CEO of an investment management, American investment management business the other day. And he was saying to me, you know, what I do from, for a 25-year-old in the business is going to be very different from what I do to a 55-year-old in the business. And, and the point that they were trying to make was that, you know, if you're going to win and succeed, particularly around talent retention and, and, and getting people to, you know, to move forward in your business, you need to start addressing this. And, and I think because it comes up in every discussion and because again it's almost like a bit of a perfect storm moment because there is a real fight for talent at junior level senior level firms are really having to sort of focus in on this so mm. I think it's a bit of both I think people realize if they're not going to play it at this game then they're not going to retain and, and secure mm. people um, but I also think yeah there's a lot of progressive leaders out there that, that really understand this now mm. okay um, I mean you know some of the well-documented pros but particularly these are the I, I wrote a list of, of what we see when we particularly when we interview people um it's time it is the time saving it's not sitting at you know, particularly commuters sitting on that train for an hour and a half in the morning and an hour and a half in the evening that that is not dead time anymore so in a funny way you know, you may see this as well i think people are working in certain roles longer and harder because they have the, the computer and phone as an extension of their mm. their arm they just pop up to bedroom you know to, to the office mm. so i think time is is one of the the, the big things there is obviously a knock on effect of, of saving of financial on travel mm. um prep lunch you know prep child sandwiches. care <laughs> child care yeah i mean I I exactly that so Think it means you you can have a bit more more you know, balance within you know, how you prioritize your your, your diary mm. um i think that also leads into you know this is you know where you you have more expertise but that sort of health and wellness 
Mm. Uh, you know, I, I talk, you know, this is more off the side of conversations, people talking about, you know, going for a run first thing when maybe they would be sitting on a train or, you know, actually turning off the computer at six for an hour, going to play, have a game of tennis. Mm. So I do think, you know, people are, you, know, you call it better balance, better work-life balance, but still working hard, but just not having to do two, three hours of, of, of commuting. Absolutely. I and think, I, think that, I think that is an important point, isn't it? Because that work-life integration is something that actually we need to, people need to get their heads around. This is part of our life now. This is how we want to live life. And it's not a, you know, I still have conversations with some people who say, yeah, I understand my employees might want to go for a run um, at eight o'clock in the morning or something and or and drop their kids to school and walk the dog on the way and then and then sit down to their desk at half past nine but I want people sitting at their desk at half past eight or whatever time it is because that's where we've always done it and they don't they're still struggling to understand that actually if you've got people who are getting that balance right and are doing what they need for them and also still meeting their work needs and probably as you say putting more hours in because they're not doing all the commuting and so on then they're going to be less stressed because they're, they're going to be happier. They're going to, you know, when you sit down at your desk, I know from personal experience, if I sit down at my desk, having been for a, a walk or a run or something, I feel absolutely, I feel energized. I'm ready to go. Where rather than dragging myself out of bed, sitting in a car or on a train, dragging myself into the office and sitting there, you know, is that whole absolutely. productivity performance, isn't it, issue? Absolutely right. Um, yeah, absolutely right. And and that, as you say, could be a walk. I, I speak to people that do walking meetings. I think mm. you're a, a fan of walking meetings yeah. where people will, will dial into a call and they'll go for a 20 minute walk and still participate. So I think, again, people are are, are changing the way they, they, they do things. Mm. Um, and I think it's I think it's, you know, it's a positive. Mm. I think it, again, slightly leads on to, to, to other points around, you know, for example, you know, we've reduce the size of our office the the cost benefit of doing that has been you know, quite significant um you know and, and i think this is just going to play out you know i think some of the bigger businesses they uh, you know they're reducing office size they're going to have a much more flexi flexi work model mm. so i think again just like uh, you know the cost base of a business is, is is definitely being impacted by this um mm -hmm. some would say positively others would say negatively if you are a real estate owner that happens to sit in the city of london so i think there's there's always positives and, and, and negatives to it um, I think the other thing just from a talent perspective that we see is you know and this is something that we were discussing um, offline is the ability now to do your job and not be half an hour from the office so it's opening up I think you know I, I read an article I think you know Burnley now since the pandemic has had a 391 percent increase in remote work jobs that have, mm. have come into this you know come online mm. so it's now the sort of a hotbed for remote working you know pre-pandemic yeah this is this is an old industrial um area so i think again you're now starting to see people can do things particularly in you know re remote areas so i think yeah these are just some of the pros that, that we see but i think it's really important to for, for companies almost to write down what their pros are for that particular organization and people like you working with them can help them identify that because I think it's very easy to um, jump on the bandwagon of oh it just benefits our employees or you know of course they just want that because that's what people want these days and it doesn't serve us well but when you actually break it down into the benefits you know whether it's about saving you know overhead costs or um, you know reducing commuting time there's a study by um, in 2021 the state of remote work report from our labs found that 90% of the two and a half 
thousand full time remote workers surveyed so that they were as productive or more productive working remotely compared to when they're in the office. So you just, you know, you just start to look at some of the research around and when when I guess it comes down to trust, but when you've got some leaders wanting to see their workforce to know that they are working, actually, the data suggesting that they are as productive, if not more, because they're they are still starting work at the same time as they'd normally be leaving the house or they they don't have that hard cut off to get back for the kids or for whatever other priorities they've got they can carry on working they can work in the evenings they can work around their other activities so you end up being far more productive Um, but I think that's a really good point to to help people identify what their specific kind of benefits are for themselves as a company and for their employees I think it kind of creates a good case study I agree it's all I think what you're saying it's almost a bit like a mission statement in Mm. terms of you know what what do we stand for and how will this benefit Mm. us and how will this benefit employees Mm. So what about some of the cons? What do you see as... Some of the cons, yes. There's always uh, always some cons. I think, again, the biggest thing that I see is the junior talent pool. Mm. So I think a lot of people, particularly of our our age and era, have benefited from sitting next to people, learning through osmosis, really going to every meeting, getting on a tube journey with someone, getting on the train and just sitting and learning. Mm. I think you probably don't quite realise how much you learn from people just through that osmosis and being next to people, whether that's seniors, whether that's peers, whether that's seeing clients face to face. And I think, uh, again, I can't quite work out where this will go, but I do think that juniors now not seeing people Mm. or not spending five days a week or four days a week in an office next to someone you know what will be the impact of, of that and and therefore i think it's forcing yeah certainly us and managers and leaders to change how you interact with your you know we can come on to that later so mm-hmm. i think it's because again it's happened very fast um you, you know i've spent time with you know particularly juniors who don't necessarily have space to work they are sitting you know three around a kitchen table um they do want to be in an office or they would like the ability to to, to come in so Again, these are generalization, generalized themes, but it's, it's something that we see time and time again is that you know, junior talent really would like you know, to benefit and to learn from, from seniors. And if the seniors aren't there, you know, how, do, how does that happen in, in, in reality? So I think that's the biggest thing. The other big thing, and I've spent a bit of time talking to, to leaders about this, is the culture. How, how do you build a culture if people aren't there? You know, when you, when you are sort of in the office five days a week and you are all marching forward, you have team meetings. I remember my last firm, you had a you know, weekly meeting, a monthly team meeting. You'd have some drinks afterwards. You'd go for lunch. You know, how do you build that sort of team company culture and get everyone on board with it if people are sitting remotely? Yeah. And I think that's, you know, particularly if people aren't happy within the organisation, you know, that would they feel two steps removed rather than, okay, we're all in the office and, and going forward. So I think juniors and culture are, for me, the biggest thing or the biggest things that I hear from leaders mm. you know, when we talk. I completely agree, but, you know, the, the culture piece is so um, important. And lots of people are focusing on how to create a really fulfilling company culture where people want, you know, that people want to be part of. And I know it's something from the conversations I have with leaders that companies are really struggling with. It's a massive issue. We'll come on to that um, in a bit. But that sense of our identity and you know what our 
we don't how do we share our sense of how we do things and I love you know your observation as well about that osmosis you know just being around each other you just pick up on you just observe you just find out the language you people use when they're having conversations or you know it's just all those little things that actually you can't sit down and necessarily plan for because it they they those things happen without us even being aware of them um one of the challenges i know that companies are having at the moment is that sense of responsibility they have for their employees who are working remotely so how so there's the um iso 45003 which is the guideline standard um that provides a framework to develop and uh, health and safety so it's about uh, the emotional, including emotional aspects such as well-being, burnout, isolation, and so on. The, the employees are responsible for those aspects, which is really hard to to look out for when people are working remotely. And you suddenly got this whole group of people now who are responsible for teams, and you only see their head and their shoulders. And some people are really good at masking what's really going on. Um, how do you? How do people look out for? their teams their colleagues when they're not sitting together and you can't just check check in on them as easily in terms of the the subtleties the kind of the body language and so on which is not necessarily how you're doing yeah I'm fine thanks yeah yeah exactly or you speak to one of their colleagues and you know their colleague says well actually I want to raise something with you because I've noticed x x or y so no I I I agree but I and again I think it goes to it puts more pressure actually I think on leaders I mean if leaders haven't got enough pressure going on at the moment with geopolitical and mm. markets and mm. everything else but it puts more pressure now on leaders to to think differently mm. as you to, to your point is you know, how do you you know how do you then engage with head and shoulders on a on a yes. video screen yeah um, and, and what does that mean and I think again what I see is people are a lot of my clients they're very open to saying well we we don't almost know everything at the moment so how do we do this and does does it you know one conversation I have with the client is does it does it change some of the structure of the people for example that we have in there so uh, and and bear in mind I cover fund management which you know is is very delivery led it's all about performance someone was saying well actually should should for example we hire a chief wellness officer you know it's a title that I've never heard of and it's never sat within um you know something I've never heard of in, in our business and I said well, well what is that well it's someone that you know that actually is there to go and talk to people tap them on the shoulder and say you know how are you doing you know is there anything that we're not giving you is there something that you want from us or and, and again it sounds it, again it's not sort of natural language particularly within financial services the world I cover but actually you know why not now because if you do do have people sitting at home three or four days a week and you do want them to be the future of your company, mm. you're going to have to do something very different mm. because, you know, we've discussed before, people now, you know, particularly juniors now will say, well, yeah, I will come and join you. Um, let's see how we get on after three years. I might go and do something else. I mm. might go and join a competitor. I mean, they're not as blunt as that, but, you know, whereas my father worked for a organization for 44 years I think if, if that was the case now you look at someone and say well there must be something wrong with you so yeah. I think all of this it, 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 it it's falling on leaders shoulders to really I think you know, yes. really think about how they manage teams yeah I couldn't agree more I think that whole um as you said they already had a lot on their shoulders and they've just had a whole ton of extra stuff that they're just not equipped to deal with thrown at them and they're they're told to sort it out so it's a bit like I remember you know you have conversations with teachers 
going back to when I used to support schools and you'd have teachers saying, we know we're here to teach kids maths and English. Why am I worrying about all their kind of social, emotional, behavioral stuff? Because that's surely that's parents job or whatever. And now I almost feel I'm having the same conversations with leaders who are saying, you know, we're here as an employer and you're like, well, actually, you can't just be an employer. You've got to look at you've got to know the fact that, you know, isolation and loneliness is one of the biggest issues for people who work in remotely right now. So how how are you going to support them with that? Because you have a responsibility if you've got a remote working uh, force to actually know what the risks are and, and to um, try and work with those to reduce those. So you suddenly got these, uh, particularly managers that that level of people who are often underinvested in and who have the responsibility of their teams what how do they know what to do what 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 support are they getting what training are they getting what supervision are they getting in terms of being able to have those um kind of conversations and just notice so there's a whole lot of stuff that has to be done very differently it's a whole new skill set so i love the fact david you're saying some of the leaders are being open and honest with you and saying we don't know, but we know we've got to change things. Because I think as soon as people are aware that stuff's got to change and they've got to develop their practice, then actually, you know, they're on the right um, trajectory to, to for things to pan out well in the end for them and their employees. It's when people say, we stick with what we know, or we just want to carry on doing it how we've always done it. It's not great. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, I don't have a crystal ball to sort of know, you know, if you fast forward 10 years, what, what what does the mm. everyone uses the term future of work what does it look like but i you know my personal view is is that this is only going to continue to change and in some areas it's very extreme where you know everyone has been working from home and everyone is is you know now been told they can do and others are saying mm. well actually we want people in the office five days a week and again my view is there will be just some meeting in the middle and it will be a sort of hybrid i the other thing i do think is i think that firms you know, we'll start to use this as a competitive tool. So, you know, to your point, you know, if you can say to people, this is our mission statement, this is how we support people, this is what we expect, um, but but ultimately, you know, we use it as a competitive advantage to, um, to to hire people where others may say, well, I do need you in the office five days a week. So I, so I think, again, it's, it's evolving. Yes. But I think, you know, f- leaders and people that understand this, understand the wellness piece, understand, mm. you know, how to empower people is, 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 mm. will win. Mm. And I think I like what you said right at the start of this conversation about, you know, remote working, it's like a dirty secret because there are some people who have been doing this for a long time and companies have just had, people working in all different manners of you know different approaches to work and that's worked but because now we suddenly seem to be standardizing everything it's suddenly become this thing we have to formalize it's now become this big issue whereas actually before when people just took a much more I guess an individual approach to you know what do actually what do people in my team really need where how can they work best what what is it that is and isn't okay based on what that person is or isn't able to do working from home I think when we when we suddenly the agenda feels like it's changed and we've got to have this big company policy and it's got to fit everyone and I think that's where it begins to fall down people get a bit critical because you can't have one fit one size necessarily fitting all Um, and I think that's where you know that in the headlines recently the Stevenson Harwood um, law firm uh, that um, you know cutting cost uh, cutting pay by 20 percent for those staff wanting to work from home permanently um and then not you know that's 
been a very contentious issue. Lots and lots of people have been talking about it, um, pros and cons of doing that. And there, there are other companies who I'm guessing will be taking that similar approach or approaching it maybe differently, but also that's slightly controversial. So it'd be really interesting just to kind of unpick what the benefits are of, of doing that. Like, you know, how are, how is taking money away from employees actually benefiting the company or benefiting employees? Or, you know, is that feeding into this employee experience that we're sort of so invested in now? Or is that, you know, what's, the, what's that really about? Yeah, look, it's uh, it's a great question, and it's one I'm not sure I have the answer to, but we can sort of dig into it. Mm. It's uh, yeah, I, I read that as well, and you know, other firms have been you know, considering it, contemplating it. I think the first thing I say is yeah, there's there's always historically been a bit of a view of a London waiting salary, mm. um, just in terms of you know cost of living with, within London, travel, transport, etc. So I think that that has played in, but I think you know the conundrum now that firms have is if if you historically have had a london base and um you have a london base and people have been traveling in there has been a waiting on your salary for that fast forward to now where you know you are saying to people well you don't have to come in three days a week you can sit three mm -hmm. hours away you can sit in cornwall or dorset and and do it yeah the, the big question is well mm -hmm. do, you, do you therefore have a, a, a you know effectively a, a london equivalent salary um and again, I think as I read it, it's a very difficult. I mean, my my world is 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 very much on deliverables. So mm -hmm. you know, and broadly, you know, financial services is deliverables. It's very clear to see what you're doing, how you're doing it, and what the output is. So in a world particularly that I work in, where it is done on deliverables, mm -hmm. and people you know, are pretty trusting in terms of, you know, they're, they're smart how you get there. I find it quite strange to think about why you would start taking money away from people. I, mm. I guess I see the logic, not the logic. I can see why people would think mm -hmm. to do that, but I think it just opens also, it, it has the potential to open a can of worms. Mm. You know, so for example, what happens if your you know, remote employer is your star performer and therefore it comes to, to paying, you know, this person needs to be paid you know, mm. appropriately. How does that work for culture? You know, how does that person feel if, if they've been on X salary and then that, that salary comes down? Mm. Um, how does that work with retention? I mean, at the moment, pe people are really struggling to hire people. So if you're saying to people, we're going to pay you less, well, your competitor may say, well, actually, you know, what we'll do, we'll pay you, we will give you that 20%. Mm. So I think, again, I'm, I'm trying to have a sort of balanced view on it. I think you've got to be very careful just by now saying to people, well, you can work remotely, but we're going to cut your. But because I, 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 I think you need to be incentivizing people. It needs to be, you know, it needs to be about. Again, my view is always about deliverables. You know, what are you delivering? What is the value that you're adding? So, I think I just think you've got to be very careful, particularly also, if it is a London business and you are, for example, still working with London clients, for example, you know, mm -hmm. to say. So I, I think it's a. I see why firms are thinking about doing it. But I think it just, particularly at the moment, if you if you focus on this point in time, mm. firms are really struggling to hire people. So why would you do that when you are, you know, if it's one of your best performers who says, well, actually, I do need to spend time with my children, or you know, there there is a, an issue as to why I need to to work remotely. I think it's just a you have to be very careful. I mean, I don't know what your view is on on it. No, I'm so glad. I'm it's so good hearing what you're saying because um, I agree, and what you're saying aligns with my view uh, which is about 
you look at the value that people provide. So it doesn't matter um, where you live or necessarily the particular hours you work or whatever, because, you know, that gets into whole, you were saying about, you know, childcare and so on, you know, you're going to start excluding particular groups because if you've got to um, be at home to look after the kids and that means you can't be in the office, is it going to, are we going to then end up focusing on just the office will become male dominated become full of people who don't have children or become full of people who have a partner at home who can look after the kids or kind of they'll start I think the the gender pay gap will start to increase again um but I think that whole thing on looking at performance is like you're you should be measuring the value so it's if you're you're looking at how people are performing and also how well they're engaging with whatever your values are of your company so yes you want to um, meet your specific targets but actually if you're very clear about as a company what your values are and what the behaviors are behind those values so what is it that we actually want to see our our workforce doing to show that they are taking the value seriously measure that you know reward that as well so it's so the performance bit has is, is got to got to play a part in that and if you've got people who are being productive and performing well regardless of where they are then surely we should be rewarding them. So I completely agree. I, I think so. I mean, I think it's my view. I mean, I'll give you an example. Uh, mm. A few years ago, we we were working for a, a large US fund manager and we placed a, a senior female within the business. And, and the last conversation came and it was a, she was about to sign contracts. And she said to me, well, actually, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to ask you a question. I... Um, have a son and I would really like to, to, to work you know, almost term time, not specifically term time hours, but I would like to spend the holidays either working remotely or, or spending that with my son who's, who's mm. growing up. And I thought we're going to go back to the company and they're going to be a, an absolutely hard no. And to their credit, what they did was they said, no, I think within reason that makes sense as long as you're not taking eight week periods off. So it was almost sort of blocks of two and then back for a week mm. and blocks of two. But, but to their credit, they said, well, what we'll do is we'll prorate your basic salary. And there was a bonus opportunity with it. But actually what we'll do is we'll still keep your deliverables and your targets and your goals the same. So what they were saying to the person was, you, we trust you to run your, you know, your, mm. your business as, mm. as you wish. Mm. And you know what? She's still with the organization and she's flying. And I think it was absolute testament to them and to the, hiring manager at the time that they sort of saw through this and said well here's a star performer mm. and let's make something work you know and I but I would say that's um, historically been the exception rather than the rule let's hope sort of moving forward that it's more the rule absolutely I love that example and it reminds me of um Morgan my husband who you know well um who working for Cisco they don't mind where you work so as long as you get your work done and we've been sitting in our camper van in France and I've been taking the kids off to wherever and he's sitting with the door shut just cracking on with his work and getting it all done but my goodness he's motivated to get get the work done and really really focus because then he can join us for some lunch on the beach or something you know it's that yeah. sense of when you find a way of working that works that feels it fits with what people want in terms of their, their values and they can get that balance. People are going to work really well and they're going to remain loyal. They're going to, you know, it's a company that looks out for them and is understanding of their circumstances, which is where I think 
as and I was alluding to earlier, having trying to have one size that fits all doesn't necessarily work. You've got to have some flexibility because everyone comes with different needs, like the different generations. Depend, depending what your life needs are at that point, we need to have a, a company that listens to us, understands and accommodates within reason of, you know, if this works, then great. If it doesn't work, then we'll have to review and change it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, asking your workforce, what do you want? I mean, it's a dangerous question because it could open up mm. other things. But I think firms that really understand what the, you know, what's important to, to their staff, what, what they're looking for. Mm. Um, I think the, the flip side also is I don't want to sort of paint this picture that it's sort of all rosy. You can just sit at home for five days a week and you can sort of just operate your um, your life as you wish and, and the firm sort of comes second. I, I do I'd like to balance that with, you know, firms are still employers. And interestingly enough, a lot of people are still on, you know, if you actually, a lot of people check their contract, they're on five days a week or four days a week contract in the office. So it's also trying to balance that. So, you know, firms that I'm seeing at this point in time that are doing, doing it best are sort of almost, they've gone to their workforce. They've understood what's important. They've, they've, they've done surveys, they've done breakout groups, Mm -hmm. but actually the firms that I see, you know, doing this, working the best at the moment are, are almost firms that have a, right, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to be in the office. And actually there's an expectation that, that you're here. You might mm. be seeing clients, you might be going out for lunch with colleagues, you might be, mm. yeah, but we want you here. And actually, so I, I do think, again, this is where this pendulum swings back and forth. I, I do, my personal view is actually, there does need to be a, some commitment for uh, for, for employees to actually understand that yes you know remote working is is here and I believe it's here to stay mm. but there is also a commitment to the employer which is you know whether that's one day a week whether that's two days a week but but again I think firms that are winning at the moment are just saying listen you know we understand we will be flexible but we also there is some expectation on our side from from you yeah absolutely and I think that is um that's fair enough and I think that is necessary ideally to build that culture that you know you're talking you mentioned earlier if we want to have a sense of team or company identity and to be able to you know bounce ideas off each other learn from each other just have those conversations that you would normally have around the water cooler which you don't have when you have to um sort of schedule a zoom call and it's very focused and then you we finish the zoom call and then we're sitting doing other stuff on our own so when when we're in when we're having that shared space and we can interact and it doesn't have to be focused meetings. I think a lot of great ideas and great opportunities to problem solve um, come from those kind of the downtime, but where you are still with your colleagues. So that expectation Absolutely. of having, you know, a day a week or however often that might be where the team has to come together and connect, I think is so, so important. And I think that, yeah, is that middle ground, isn't it? it? It meets the needs of the company and also the flexibility that um, employees want. Yeah, and I think it goes to the point of you know setting parameters and 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 communicating with people and Mm. actually saying to people, well, this is what we expect, this is you know what we want. So, but again, I go back to my early point. It's just because this was all thrust upon us very quickly, particularly Mm. this you know you must work from home. You know, people are now sort of pedal back a bit, and now they're now trying to work out how they go forward. And this is sitting at CEO levels, team leader levels, HR levels, and it, it generally does come up in in every conversation. So. Um, I'm not sure any, anyone I've seen has worked out the sort of the perfect format. No, um, but I think about what you were saying about having the courage to ask the questions is really important. And I think 
it feels dangerous when you say to to your employees what do you want and a lot of people kind of resist that because they think they can do have a whole load of stuff they just can't deliver on or just feels unreasonable but I think when leaders do have the courage to ask that they're often quite surprised at lots of suggestions which are quite actually sound quite reasonable or quite doable um and the things that they might be suggesting often which are a bit outside of the norm might be stuff that actually is worth giving some thought to and exploring and it might be something that is actually something worth pursuing or we can't and we can explain why but having the you know just having that courage to say what is it you want you know how do you see your future here what what would make that work what help you in be able to engage as fully as possible to make this as meaningful as possible for yourself make to help you be able to perform at your best what is it you need and as soon as you start asking that question people generally don't abuse that you know if you're if you're doing it in the right way and you're doing it for the right intentions people generally are quite good at saying actually this is what's going to make the difference and if we understand that if we know that we can either accommodate it or we can say it's not going to work here because if we don't ask the question the employees still have the same wants they still have the same thoughts but they're just not airing it so then you end up with all the gossip you end up with all the kind of all the other stuff that's the the undercurrent of what's really going on and people are saying I'm really fed up I can't do this and that's not fair and why are we not allowed to do x y or z so they'll still be having that say the, the narrative's there that it's just that the leaders don't know about it so it's much better having it out in the open and then you know what's on the table and then you can plan that way forward and planning the way knowing that actually leaders don't have a set plan they don't know the answers they're not going to get it right and actually if we accept we're going to have the best fit that we can think of at the moment and we'll review it and it'll change and we accept it's going to change um then you're all you're on that learning journey together which i think makes much more sense yeah i agree and it goes you know it, it, it's for me in the job that i do it's it's i've always been amazed around this retention piece mm. because if you you know it's hard getting good people to come and work for you mm. but again I, I see a lot of firms don't to your point there don't you know, take away the remote working piece, don't always ask the questions. Um, mm. You know, they don't sort of sit and say, you know, how are you? What is going on? What would make you happy? Mm. And hence when, you know, our job is to approach the market and we we tend to sort of get under the bonnet of some of these issues. So, and it's hard, it takes time to, to really put into place sort of proper retention programs, but this is just another piece of that jigsaw. So I think the other thing I was going to mention, Lisa, is it also plays, we haven't sort of touched on it hugely into the DNI piece diversity and inclusion piece um mm. you know with some positives and also i think you know the last couple of years some negatives but you know in particular if you are thinking about wanting to hire returning parents whether they be mums or dads or you know, for example you know conversation I had the other day people with a disability mm. who maybe can't come into the office or you know would choose not to mm. but would be very happy to, to work incredibly hard for you you know sitting at home mm. I think it you know in many ways it's pushed on the agenda in a successful way mm. um, but interesting I was having a conversation with a senior female leader and she was saying in her experience it's almost been a bit of the opposite actually because you know having been at home for two years and having a job and having the responsibility unfortunately of the family that sort of fell squarely whether that be sort of home schooling mm. etc it felt almost pushed back a bit um and again i mean this is a, a, a maybe a slightly different topic but but i think it is worth just raising i, I think personally from a dni perspective it's oh. a really good thing 
in many ways, but obviously there, there are a few, you know, be interested to get your thoughts on, on that. Yeah, you know what, I think it's, it's a really good example about um, how some people are just desperate to get back in the office because it gives them that headspace to be able to focus on that without looking around your house and seeing your dishwasher needs doing and the kids need something or so um I think it all for me it really goes back to that personalization that you're going to have some people in your company who desperately want to be in the office either because they've got they wear so many hats they need to just have that protected headspace because actually they perform better when they can just focus on one thing it might be because of their mental health, they just need, they need a connection. They, at home, they just feel too isolated and they need that. Or just for that sense of growth and development, being around other people and learning from them. Um, whereas some people, their mental health has, you know, we know that lots of people have been experiencing anxiety about going back to work, but having been so, um, you know, the message has been very clear, you've got to stay away from people, don't want to return to the office. So actually forcing them too quickly um could backfire so it's about understanding again individually what people's needs are some people during you know when they were furloughing people were saying actually you were furloughing our workforce but we've got these two or three people who we are actually getting to the office because we know they need to be in the office for various reasons often around their mental health and they had the foresight and the intelligence to see that we need to do things differently for these individuals so I think that's hugely important when you can look at you know you've got to you've got to treat your workforce as individuals so it doesn't matter how many you've got they are still still all individuals and when you start looking at what their particular needs are how they work best you know it's almost that sense of what is it you need from us as a company what is it you need from your work in order for you to be able to perform at your best and as soon as it goes back to asking the question as soon as you know that you can start to put those plans in place and yes it might not be as straightforward as having one process that fits everyone but then that's when you have people wanting to work for you because they know they're going to be looked after staying with you because they know they are looked after um for me it kind of it it just makes complete sense yeah it does and but, but it, it also requires a lot of effort and i'm not saying yeah. firms aren't willing to, to do it but but it's on yeah i think it's also on top of, of, of what they've had to do and, and are facing at the moment so it is and it's also a slightly different skill set i think um you know from from historically which is you know we're an employer come and work for us and this is what yeah. we do yeah and it's almost been flipped on its head and and for what it's worth i do think there's going to be a slight sort of pullback yes. um the, the job market at the moment is incredibly busy you know it's, his, history would tell us that that never lasts forever mm. um but it'd be interesting to see where it comes out but i think your point is spot on you know no one size fits all yeah and anyone that is trying to to do that is um yeah i, I think will struggle and yeah, um, and I think the HR, you know, in terms of people's roles changing, and I think a number of HR professionals that I work with have said that their, their role has changed hugely. And actually people who are in traditional HR roles, which are all about these processes and the traditional way of onboarding and so on and doing all that stuff, actually they those skills are not necessarily what are needed so much now it's actually about more about people it's more about the kind of um looking after our workforce rather than just the processes to kind of get them through each day or get them through their uh, period of time with the company so i think there is there's a huge amount of change for companies wanting to look at remote working getting the work the employee experience right for their workforce it does it's a huge shift it's a huge change yeah. and as you say it'll be the companies who are happy to invest in that I think will 
in my view, would be the the winners in all this. But actually, it'd be interesting for you because you're in your, your recruitment role. Do you think those companies that companies need to really take this on seriously, or are they okay to sit and hold fire, knowing that actually this what's happening now will come full circle, or it'll all end, it'll all calm down soon, and then something else is going to happen? It's a good question. I mean, there are certain again in financial services, certain institutions that would just have been been public to say, we're just going to go back and you know, let's get back to normal as, as quickly as we can. Again, I just think personally, I think that there will just be this this meeting in, in the middle. You know, there will be sensible solutions depending on firms. You know, what works for a 10 person firm will not work for a mm. 5,000 people firm and a person firm. And it, it's so I, I do think, you know, the genie's out the bottle and, and this isn't going back. Um, I, I, again, I have to, where I'm sitting, if I'm talking to leaders you know, every day, you know, DNI is top of the agenda. And I think this is a wonderful opportunity to really you know, be, be true to your word on this, which is if you really are looking to sort of change and you really are looking for, 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 for better outcomes, that this is a real way to do it. Now, again, I'm not saying that a firm of 5,000 people should just say forever, you can go and you know sit and work on a beach somewhere. But I do think, I, I genuinely believe it, firms that can have a sensible creative solution that, that gets employee buy-in, you know, will, will win and they will have retention, they will increase um, you know, happiness, wellness of employees. And it, I, I really do believe that. And I, I see firms that are doing it. And I think it, you know, to your point, it goes around having different people in the organization that HR role has you know, evolved so much. A lot of the time now that the HR, certainly in the world I work in, reports to the CEO, some firms have chief people officers, you know, with a very different agenda around sort of away from sort of operation sort of aspects to, to people. Mm. So I, I, if anything, I think this, this gathers speed. I don't know where it ends, mm. but I think, you know, it cannot be, honestly, it's at the top of the agenda for, for every everyone that we talk, you know, talk to. Mm. Um, and and I think you know then pushed with the you know younger individuals who want different things. Mm. You know, I mean, I've interviewed. You know, I don't want to sort of paint them in a bad light, but but interview junior talent where they'll say to me, "Well, you know, I'm interviewing you now as well, and and uh, you know, we may be here for two years, but actually, you know, I've, I've had a passion to sort of be a web designer as well, and actually, what I'd like is a role that would allow me to do that, or I want to." You know, set up a bakery and again I generalize but mm. I think you know when you've got a workforce that's coming through that is not absolutely as saying well I will be with you for life yeah you've really got to think how, how you incentivize empower them mm. and you retain you know, the individuals you know that have been maybe with you for 20 years mm. and make sure you do that as a sort of coherent message for the firm yes. and I'm not going to lie I don't think I have the answer mm. and I'm not sure you know, uh, you know we, we get asked it and we get asked our views and opinion but but I think you know I think there will be an answer that will, will come out of this but mm. I you know, long-winded answer to your question Lisa I think the firms that that will win will will really get to, to, to the root of this um, issue. And so with the with the companies who are embracing remote working how do they ensure that they are getting the best fit for their culture so this almost goes back to that culture which we, ha which we haven't got time to unpick properly today um but where i get involved a lot with companies but if you've got a company who's wanting to hire some people and we know that they are going to be working remotely how are they 
ensuring that there's the best fit between that potential employee and that company culture? Yeah, it's, <clears throat> I mean, it's a great question. It's something, I mean, I'll give you some examples. I, I know of a CEO of a major business that was hired in lockdown and didn't meet anyone physically. You know, everything was done on, because it had to be on Zoom. But guess what? This company needed a CEO. So if you'd have asked me pre-pandemic, could a CEO of a business be hired without meeting anyone physically? I'd have sort of said you were were crazy, but um, but, it, but it happens. And guess what? It's working really well. So I think it's, again, just sort of showing you know, the art of the possible on that point. But I think your your question is one, which is, you know, how do you pick up mm. you know, culture? How do you pick up fit? Um, and being honest, it's been very difficult. So in our job, you know, what it's meant from our side is we've done a lot more referencing. You know, we've had to do a lot more on individuals. I mm -hmm. think the interactions, again, just taking the last two, two and a half years, have gone up massively over Zoom. So whereas people may have had five meetings to, 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 to join, they maybe have had 10 or 15 meetings. Mm -hmm. They maybe met more people over Zoom. They've, I think you know, people that are looking to move have done a lot more homework on where they're going. Yes. Um, I think firms have been very good. Firms have been doing this for a while, but just in terms of doing assessments on individuals, whether that's com competency-based interviewing um, and, and sort of trying to combine all of that. Now, again, some firms are fantastic at doing that and other firms have the more old-fashioned approach, which is do a couple of meetings and then we like you and, and, and come and join us. But I think it's it's been a real challenge. I mean, I've even heard of people that have, I know of someone that joined a firm in lockdown having not met anyone, did a year and then left that firm still having not met anyone. So again, you have situations like that. So, so they say, well, I joined this firm, it didn't work out and I still never met anyone there. So I think you know, that, that culture piece you know, has probably been tested quite, quite a lot. I've also heard people that said, well, I thought I was joining this, but I haven't done that. And I've had to build all these relationships with people on Zoom or over the video and then I met them and actually it wasn't quite what I thought so it's been a bit of hit and miss but I think it's just there's been more meetings you know even when we were allowed to people were going for walks in the park I mean again it's just just changing things up in terms of how people people did things but it's been a challenge yeah and I think you know once um you've got people once you have recruited it's that sense of actually how do you onboard them and how do you how do we go about bringing you in and helping you feel part of the team and I think that's you know literally every step of the way it's got to be it's got to look different now hasn't it because it's that how do we help people collaborate um when we're all working remotely so how you know those opportunities have got to look different so how how do what do we do to help people connect with each other and not just connect in formal meetings but connect in ways that they can just find out a bit more each other about each other how do they we're onboarding like what how do we create um our expectations around what is and isn't okay where you have autonomy because you're working remotely and actually where you you can't cross the, the boundaries what are the boundaries around when you can turn your you know notifications off so you can have some good quality headspace and when you need to be available so it's all there's lots of stuff that we I think in the past would have just taken for granted that we would have just noticed what's going around us and like you use the term osmosis it's that sense of I just know how to work here and we've got to now consciously think about all that stuff so that people can fill the gaps if, if we don't fill it as, as leaders then they will fill it and they they could get that quite wrong 
Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, whereas, well, this is how we've onboarded it, yeah, people for years, and here's the program, and yeah, we go and they meet 15, 20 people, take them out mm -hmm. for lunch, and did it. You know, that, as you say, that that is has not been able to happen. But I think you're right. You now need to be very specific around, you know, what the you know what the onboarding plan is, for example, or mm -hmm. you know what the setup is, what the communication style will be, what the parameters are. So, mm -hmm. I think you're right. Uh, you know and, and and it's a different way to think about things um yeah i think you gone. i was going to say we yeah we i know we sort of spoke offline which is you know if, if you if you are going to onboard and if you are going to set up you know what you know what's best practice you know within mm. that um and i'm not going to run through a sort of long list but it's interesting i, I think funny enough, and maybe i've used the terminology but i think that the terminology you know home working should almost be erased and I think it should just be remote working. I think there is still a connotation with home working that, you know, people are at home, therefore they are not working. So actually, I think, you know, the first thing, you know, and, and maybe I've used the term, so maybe I've gone, gone against myself, but home working should go and it should just mm -hmm. be remote working. Um, I think the communication style, you know, in terms of how and when you communicate needs to be a bit more structured. Um, you can't almost have the, well, this is the conversation we have in the office, but this is the conversation we have on video it sort of needs to be much more open if anything a bit more planned mm. um, which some people don't like mm. um, and it goes back to our point which is actually sometimes that free-flowing conversation happens in, in an office better but I think you've got to try and set some parameters particularly if you're going to go down th this route mm. um, and as I say for me it's the big thing is, is the communication you know what are we expecting when is it and how is it going to be done and I think if you can try and get somewhere down those lines you're you know people will feel like they're part of the team. Again, I hear a lot of, I've heard particularly in lockdown, a lot of commentary around, well, you know, you know, where people were allowed back into the office and, and some people weren't, just that sort of them and us culture. Yes. And again, I don't think it's anyone trying to create a them and us culture, but it's just been naturally yeah. created. So again, I think leaders and managers have to be on top of that. And it's hard to control it because you don't want to command and control when people are sort of in the office what they say and what they don't mm. but again I think it's um to your point earlier that has to be very carefully thought through and it has to be mm. done slightly differently mm. if people are going to go down this path of having a you know remote mm. working um team and it's noticing isn't it that like the them and us culture you know that's kind of I was chatting about that with someone this week about um you know social psychology you have that in your in group and out group and of course everyone in your group is doing the right thing and that lot over there are, are doing something entirely different and i got views about that and when when managers or leaders are aware enough to spot those issues coming up and then they know how to go about having those conversations and saying actually well how do we address this i think they are the people who break down those potential issues quite quickly. So, yep. you know, lots of companies are, I've been doing some work recently with an issue, uh, a company where they, there are different teams who are uh, struggling to understand each other's value or struggling to, uh, you know, there's lots of criticism about other teams because they, it's like, well, really, are they, are they as important as us? Are they doing the right thing um, as well as we are? And, and that, is not unique to this particular company that happens in lots of different companies because we don't we you know we're very clear about what our team does but not necessarily the wider organization but there are ways of overcoming that there are ways of you know helping teams understand what the why other teams do other things differently or individuals or the value that they provide even though they do things differently so it's about 
not being afraid of grabbing these challenges and saying, okay, this is a new one for us. How do we go about dealing with this? Because none of us have ever looked at this before and we don't have all the answers, but let's have a conversation to say, what's the issue and what, what do we think we could do about it? And just starting to have the conversation. And that's the point, Lisa. I think it is, is exactly that. Address it, bring your team in to discuss it, work out you know, what they like, what they don't. And again, yeah. it's not you're giving them everything they want, but if you're not incorporating in that discussion and you, you know, it almost goes back to the old fashioned way, which is what well, this is what we think. Mm. Actually, now it's like, well, what do we all think? You know, yeah. and, and, and what works for you might not work for you. So, again, back to my point, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort and some slightly different skills. But I, I do think firms that can can absolutely get on top of this will will, will win out. Yeah. So you're going to carry on doing your amazing work with recruiting people and you're very busy doing that um do you see your role with companies um changing at all with this whole agenda or actually is your role quite consistent in terms of um you know dealing with the remote working or the other sort of challenges that typically come up are you having to sort of change how you work or actually is that is is that kind of pretty much set as it is and you just deal with the challenges as and when they as, as and when they arise yeah I think it yeah we've had to be more thoughtful in terms of what we do yeah so our role again has changed yeah we spend a lot more time on video now uh, we still meet people we still meet everyone that we we obviously place and work with but I think it has changed we, we also again every firm's different some firms want us more in an advisory capacity in terms of help us think about onboarding mm. who they meet what their sort of journey is what the first 90 days in the firm looks like so, so we will absolutely get involved but we're not you know we, we don't claim and we're not specialists you know we're, we're very much sort of you know talent advisory so we mm. we can do that and we do some firms just want us as an, as an extension you know you are very much there to help us attract mm. and bring in the best people um but I, I don't think you can sit doing this job and just be completely you know, siloed fr from, from the changes that are happening. So, you know, our, our job and what we're doing, you know, we write white papers, we, we communicate, we, we do other things on top of what we're doing. And actually our role is becoming much more advisory. You know, I spend a lot of my time now talking to people. You know, we're in the fortunate position where we get called up by very senior people that want to use us more as a sort of sounding board or advisory. So by nature of what we do, we're getting much more involved in it. Um, and I think, again, we have to be on top of the trends and, you know, we are fortunate also to see what clients are doing. We get a sort of snapshot on a window. So I think our role does continue to evolve. It's not just about, you know, the old days where I think you would pick up the phone to someone and place them. And that was, you know, it said we, we you know, we, we uh, build and have deeper relationships with clients, with candidates. Um, so yeah, it's it is changing, but again, it, we're we're very specific to to the clients that we work for, yeah, um, and and try and sort of match match their pace on that. But I like the fact that you you're a sounding board, and I think that's really good to know, and a, and a kind of really good point to, from my point of view, to promote and to highlight because I think when leaders know they've got someone they can pick up the phone to and say, not sure about this. Um, or what do you think about such and such? Actually, just have someone that they can trust makes all the difference. So I like the fact that you can support people for that first 90 days and 
you you know so you're not you're not just doing the first bit ticking that box and then um <laughs> shutting the door on it because actually it's that's that's the really critical period as well isn't it so any support that you can provide during that is is invaluable I, I, I think that's great that you're that I you think can... so I mean not to make it sound too sanely but I, I do think you know if you're if you join an organization again whether it's in the office or remotely mm. and you are you know, it's a, a huge amount of information that sort of you've got to take on and actually sometimes mm. having a sounding board or someone you know such as us that knows a lot of leadership within a firm and you know mm. ca- carefully manage conversations and you know we never breach trust and you know it, you know we, we we want to make sure that people succeed and that's our job mm. yeah, ultimately that's how we get judged so anything that we can do to help that um you know and sometimes we can ask the questions that other people you know, they won't ask directly or yeah. you know we have to filter a message from a leader that we've been working with to that but so I do think uh, you know our role you know does continue because as mm. I say we want that person to be successful mm. um but again some clients don't want that some clients will say thanks very much and and, and we've got our own programs and and this is what we run so we we, we just have to be respectful of, of the, the clients and that's and that's and that's I think that's the way um the world is isn't it I I know yeah. I some clients will say to me that they just want me to do this particular piece of work and and that's fine and other companies will say actually we're struggling with this particular issue around might be remote working or how we equip our team leaders to deal with um you know noticing what the stress or how to deal with burnout or whatever might be happening and just having that just asking the question having that conversation and then unpicking a little bit and supporting them on that journey and I think when you've got people who are open to saying I don't know um that's when they continue to learn as an organization they continue to develop as an organization so it's great to know that you're someone who can also help um kind of see that that start of that journey through for for those companies when they're recruiting yeah and also it's it's interesting you know that that's the interest you get to know people really well mm. so I think it's it, it's really important that mm. you have a relationship and you know Hopefully people trust you and you can have that more advisory advisory role with them. Mm. Dave, you have been amazing today. Um, I've just loved hearing what you've had to say about remote working, which is a whole kind of different part of your role um, than I thought you would do in terms of just recruitment. So I say just recruitment. For, for me, recruitment was kind of find person A and stick it into this particular role and actually having to get to grips with a lot of the challenges that I'm supporting companies with, there's a real overlap. So I think it's been really interesting on picking your views and hearing what you think, you know, what you know companies are doing, what they're struggling with, what, what you think might be happening in the future, your advice, that kind of thing. So thank you so much for, for sharing that today. Have you got any sort of, final nuggets of wisdom that you want to share um there we go there's a question about um no look it's been great to talk to you um and i think again it goes back to what we've been saying you know if if people ask our advice we don't have the answers Mm. but i think you know keep keep asking your teams keep asking your peers your you know heads of hr yeah be inclusive and and you will work through um, you know it's not easy and it's not quick but but you will come to a you know you'll come to a better place than this I do think firms that you know just think things are going to go back to the way they were mm. I could be wrong but I don't mm. think we're going back there and I think it's and hopefully it's for a better yes. you know, a, a better you know, workforce a happier workforce yeah, so yeah. 
that would be my my final piece of advice but as i say i don't have the answers so if people want the answers you know they can call me but i don't I, <laughs> i'm not going to have uh, have answers to hand that makes two of us but at least we're we're willing to support people to try and work through and find the answers so um we have we have a synergy there um so if people wanted to contact you what's the best way of doing that uh to probably send me an email i'm on linkedin or send me an email at do you okay. want my email address or should we well i'll put it in the show notes so that's fine so you're happy for people to connect via linkedin or, or via email absolutely yeah very happy to, to talk to people Fab. dave you have been awesome thank you very much for today much much appreciated thank you lisa it's been really enjoyable thank you for joining me today on beyond the water cooler if you love it i would really appreciate a five-star review as this helps more people to find the podcast and if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe so you get notifications every time we publish a new episode. If something in this episode has got you chomping at the bit or if you'd like to discuss the topics covered in this podcast further, please do get in touch and we can continue the conversation. You can find me at lisa at itstimeforchange.co.uk. My details are in the show notes. If you'd like to be kept in the loop on what I'm getting up to, I publish a monthly roundup to sign up head over to itstimeforchange.co.uk forward slash join the club i'm always looking for new interesting people to chat with on the beyond the water cooler podcast so if you have a story to tell or know of anyone who would be an inspiration to talk to please do get in touch and lastly i'd love to know what you would like to hear about on the podcast so drop me a line for all suggestions and that way i can make sure that what i'm talking about is most helpful See you next time.